everyone. My name is Patrick LeBlanc, your host, and welcome to Insights Tomorrow, brought to you by Microsoft. Let's deep dive with leaders and innovators in the data space. We're gonna explore the challenges, the opportunities that organizations face in their data journeys. In each episode, we will invite some data leaders, experts, and some practitioners who share their unique perspectives on how data transformation is changing their business. Let's explore this data journey together and what it means to you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Insights Tomorrow. I'm your host, Patrick LeBlanc, and today, so exciting, we have Priya Sati with us. Priya, before we get started, I want you to do me a huge favor. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do at Microsoft? Absolutely, Patrick. Awesome, awesome, awesome to be here, first of all. Hey, everybody, I'm Priya Sati, and I am Partner Director of Product Management here at Microsoft and I own data warehousing at Microsoft. This includes everything from Synapse dedicated SQL pools to Synapse serverless and our brand new Microsoft Fabric Synapse wow. data warehouse as well. I'm so excited about this, this fabric. I'm so excited about the Microsoft Fabric. We got to get in the fold, or maybe we weave stuff in the fabric. Okay, maybe that was kind of lame, but anyway. Uh, so <laughs> you say you own, right? You own the data warehouse and fabric, right? And so before we get into all, all that stuff, Priya, I want to go back in, in time just a little bit, a little bit. You and I started this journey together on the Power BI team. And I remember, I think I met you out in Power Platform Conference in Orlando in person the first time. And yes. then this thing came out called Data Marts. Right? Yes. You remember Data Marts? You yes. know Data Marts, right? And so... Um, with, with Fabric coming out and the data warehouse being there, the lake house, I'm just trying to figure out where does data marts fit in I and mean, what's the future of it? Anything you could share? Of course, the future of data marts is actually great. So let me back up and talk about data marts and data warehousing and, you know, give a little bit of, you know, history and context. Data marts, we birthed them last year to solve a specific customer problem customers that were using Excel, Access, and really needed a way to graduate to do more larger scale analytics. Easy to use with SQL skills. That was the problem uh, that DataMart was solving for, helping those business users, helping those users self-serve themselves with a way to do relational analytics using SQL skills. SQL is really easy to learn, People out of school today, out of college today, are writing T-SQL, and it's really easy structured language to learn. And so that was the problem that we started to solve for and built data marts with the very simple experiences and really catering towards the self-service business users, starting with no-code UI, and then I can write some SQL skills and we'll, you know, we really help you with that as well. Now, data warehousing really solves the bigger enterprise problem. As an enterprise, you want to take all of your data, and this is not the Excel spreadsheets and the access databases and the smaller scale things that the uh, analysts care about, but it's really the, the bigger problem I have Volumes of data have large data, big data, and I really want to do analytics on that data at scale. I need to serve 
Yeah, I'm not the the business department trying to serve 10, 20 users in my department. Maybe maybe even 100 users. I'm trying to serve my entire enterprise. I'm trying to serve 50,000 global users and I I have requirements of performance, latency, scale and that is really where data warehouses were built. Big data analytics at scale. But put together, data merts and data warehousing actually come together as a fantastic solution for any business. Because not everything that a business analyst or a business user wants to do really lives in a data warehouse. You, You know, I might have some local data on my desktop spreadsheet that I just want to do some analytics and I want to build a mart and I want to do some quick analytics and build a report. Great. On the other side, I have the data warehouse where I really don't want to put all this data in because that's just starting to create clutter, right? Uh, And maybe nobody else even cares for that data. So together, these two make a perfect solution. Data Mart's really catering towards a small department, self-service users, and could be a subset of the data warehouse as well, smaller subset, a domain-specific subset. And then the warehouse in itself really catering to the, the global problems of the enterprise and helping the enterprise get insights out of data using relational database analytics. Got it. Got it. So you heard it here. You heard it here. Data marts are here. They have a place. They have a place in this new ecosystem, uh, this new fabric ecosystem. So if you need them, use them. If you're trying to go bigger, use a data warehouse. Now, now I, I have to ask this. I have to ask you this. So can you define in your own words, in your own words, right? I've been reading all the documentation on Microsoft Fabric, going to all the build sessions and watching all the videos. In your own words, what's Microsoft Fabric? Well, it's a unified analytics platform that gives customers, users, the ability to take data wherever it is, in the lake, in a source system, anywhere, and be able to get insights out of it in just one few clicks, uh, one set of few clicks, right? It's fully integrated, vertically integrated. It's one full end-to-end analytical platform Users, customers, enterprises don't have to go, you know, put together many different pieces of software from different vendors, different solutions to build their own analytics solution. It's land data in the lake and get insights all within five minutes, right? That is really what Fabric is all about. Yeah, 300 seconds, 300 seconds. We got insights, right? <laughs> okay, okay. So I, we're going to go on a journey, right? So we, we read Data Marts, now we're fast forward to Fabric, but I, I'm going to ask something selfish here. So you own the data warehouse in Fabric, but other things, right? But I'm just talking about the data warehouse in Fabric. What's it like? What's it like to deliver a product or part of a product that has to be such an exciting thing and a huge accomplishment working for a company like Microsoft? First of all, I love working for Microsoft. I've been at Microsoft, actually, it's coming up a dozen years. Wow, Uh, me too, me too. Oh, wow, wow, look at that. We have something in common here. Awesome. Well, we should be celebrating our, uh, you know, um, years together at Microsoft, right? So what I love about working for Microsoft is it's, 
a big company, but it's really a bunch of small companies as well. You have so many different problems to go solve for. And not only that, what I love is all of these problems actually make an impact in the world. It actually solves real world problems, whether it's data warehousing, data marts, Power BI, anything that it is that I've worked on in my career here at Microsoft, it actually impacts customers and it helps them transform their businesses. It helps transform people's lives. And and that is essentially what I love about working here. Now, in terms of, you know, what I love about, you know, data marts and data warehousing and, you know, what we've built together here in Microsoft Fabric is this is an exciting startup-like journey, right? It's a, you know, you start from scratch. We had a vision and a problem that customers came to us, a bunch of problems customers came to us with and said, hey, we want data warehousing, but we love data warehousing, but we, we're kind of, we have these problems of data duplication and, you know, uh, we, we can't really get insights without having to integrate these different pieces together. And so it, it was literally like, hey, let's go put the startup together. Let's put resources together and let's really go solve for these fundamental problems that customers have and make a big change. Yeah, and that's what I love about it. It's exciting. It's exciting. Oh, wow. Got a little chills right there. I got a little chills. I got some chills right there. So so now, maybe this is a little cheeky. Maybe it's a little cheeky, but there's a lake house also in Fabric. And I'll be be, honest. I've been learning all this PySpark and notebooks and stuff for the lake house. So why should I use or should I use a data warehouse? Because, I mean, I've been, data warehouse has been my life for so long. Um, Why lake house and not, why data warehouse and not lake house? Because, I mean, yeah. I actually have a really simple uh, answer okay. to that. When okay. customers ask me this question, actually, it just comes down to a, a choice, right? Yeah. You know, Patrick, you have Word and you have PowerPoint. Uh, yeah. You can tell stories in Word and you can tell stories in PowerPoint. Which one do you go use? <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. Great. So That's I, great. I think it really comes down to uh, the skills, the comfort, level of using a new language, using, you know, a a new engine. And there are people that have used SQL Server, SQL DB, and that is, you know, for the last 10, 20 years and come with very strong SQL skills, have built organizations around it, have people with those hardcore skill sets and certifications. And maybe they even have millions of lines of code written in SQL, right? And so bringing all of that into, you know, uh, the new world of Spark and converting all of that to PySpark, building that same level of skills or certifications, building that organizational competency is, you know, it, t- it takes quite a bit, right? So what I always tell is at the end of the day, it really comes down to a choice. We don't want to lock you in. We want to bring to you the capabilities uh, and you make that choice. You're not locked in. You want to use Lakehouse with Spark? Use it. You want to use Warehouse with the SQL engine behind it? Use it. At the end of the day, it's always just one copy of the data. No matter what you do, what you use, what engine, what language, 
that's just a personal user choice, persona choice. Data is just landing in Delta and you can use it in one or the other. And that's the beauty of Fabric. It's just one copy of the data, open data format, and you know, use your yeah. language of choice. It's just the flexibility, right, that, that Fabric provides. It's the flexibility. If you have that skill set, you go with that skill set. If you have this skill set, you go with that skill set. You use the tool that best fits, fits the need. I love it. It's great. Okay, so I'm going to date myself a little bit. I've been building data warehouses since, and it was funny, my, my, my daughter who just graduated high school, she was like, Dad, you realize you were born in the 1900s. It's like, wow, I was born in the 19th, right? And so <laughs> I've been building. Both of us, <laughs> I've, been, I've been building data warehouses. I'm about to say this. I'm about to say this. It's going to sound crazy to say since the late 1900s. Since the late 1900s. I've been building data <laughs> warehouses since the late 1900s. And when I think of a data warehouse, I think of ETL. You know, I think of data modeling. I think of star schemas. I think of dimensions, facts. I think of all these things. In this new world, right? In this new world, do I need to go learn new skills or can I just bring those skills that I have to the data warehouse and fabric? Hey, yeah, that's a great question. And let me also date myself, right? Uh, <laughs> my introduction to data warehousing was back in the 90s, again, back to the 1900s, right? Late 1900s with Kimball, if you remember. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. And that, that is where I go right back to the Kimball model of data warehousing and building star schemas, fact dimensional models. And those principles don't necessarily change. In Fabric, building the Fabric data warehouse in terms of doing, whether you do ETL or ELT, yeah. I think data warehousing has moved from the early 90s of ETL into a little fast forward of ELT as well. So, you know, whatever it is, you know, building those uh, tables, you know, star schemas, all of that fundamentally hasn't changed. You want great performance, you know, star schemas are, you know, dimensional modeling is actually still the right way to go. And when you're talking about serving reports to millions of users, we're not talking, you know, even thousands of users, right? Millions of users. Yes, of course. The, the, that that is essentially what is still used in customers and enterprises across the globe. So if you bring those skills, those skills still transpire here in Fabric as well. Beautiful, beautiful. So I don't need to learn anything new. I just all right. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go with some Fabric. Okay. So so. We can develop the data warehouse. We can use those skills we have. We can ELT or ETL it, right? We ingest our data with into the one lake. We got the one copy and that's great, you know, but you know what people are going to ask us. You, you have to know what they're going to say. They're going to say, what about security? Can I still use that fine grain security and SQL server that has been there for decades now? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about first, what is this data warehouse in Fabric? And let me give a little bit of context and history. And why is it really different, Patrick? Because I think it's really important for everybody to get on the same page. So a traditional data warehouse, whether it's our own predecessors that we have in market today or any of our competitors' data warehouses, 
In order to deliver that world-class performance to millions of users that we're talking about, it, Data Warehouse has its own storage format. Now, our own you know, predecessors, you know, the data warehouse that we built, you know, built a, a you know, engine on top of a SQL Server, a distributed processing engine on using SQL Server at its core. Um, SQL Server has its own proprietary data format, and all data warehouses have their own proprietary data format. What we've done with this data warehouse in Fabric is we've replaced that proprietary data format and adopted that open data format of Delta, right? Delta with Parquet files. And we essentially did that because we wanted to support the, the open ecosystem within Fabric, making it easy for our customers to just bring one copy of data, uh, keep one copy of data in the lake and use a uh, data warehouse as just purely the compute engine. So with this, they also get a lot of other benefits like the engine and storage because they're independent and data is in the uh, storage. It can scale at its own uh, pace and volume. And the compute engine, the data warehousing engine, can also automatically scale at its own uh, pace. So scale up and scale down, all automatic in milliseconds. So the, the big value of the data warehouse that we've brought to market is essentially building on top of that. Now, let's get back to your question, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's great. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Because that was actually my next question. You answered it about scale, but the security. So in oh, SQL yeah. Server. So given the data warehouse itself is built on that same SQL Server engine, the difference is we took out the storage and we said, hey, it's no longer this proprietary SQL Server data format, but we're going to make this a compute engine that works and operates, reads and writes that open data format of Delta. The, at the core, the same set of security principles that we supported in SQL Server is exactly what is also available and will be made available as we progress through this public preview wow. in multiple wow. months. So if you're used to, Patrick, all of those capabilities of applying object-level securities, not just on tables, but views, say you create views and you want to share them with your business users, or maybe you, know, you create a function that returns a certain value and you want to share that with your users, or maybe you're, you're creating different schemas and you're you know, creating security constructs. Those grant, revoke, deny constructs, object-level security, role-level security, column-level security, dynamic data masking, everything that we've supported is going to be supported here as well because it is the same time-tested engine and the time-tested set of capabilities of the compute engine that still persists. But underlying, we just said, hey, we don't want this proprietary storage format because we want to give customers what they asked for separation of storage and compute. And that is exactly what we've done. Wow, wow. So you you read my mind going to the next question because the next question was going to be about scale, but you already you already explained it. And so it's going to it's going to handle the scale. It's going to perform. It's going to be secure. We're going to continue the story around security. It's just going to get better and better and better. But I want to go back to that lake house 
Data Mart. I just can't let it go. I can't let it go, Priya. I want to go back to this lake house, this Data Mart, and this Data Warehouse conversation. When I create, so I've been I've been tinkering in this in this fabric, right? I've been weaving my way through the fabric, and so when I create a lake house, let me let me go back. When I create a Data Mart, I got a SQL endpoint. When I created a lake house, I get a SQL endpoint, and with my traditional Data Warehouse. I get your data warehouse, Prius data warehouse. I get SQL endpoint. What's the difference? You know, what's the difference between all these endpoints? So at the end of the day, they are all just the same SQL engine. So whether you're creating a lake house and you get a SQL endpoint, you get a warehouse and you get a um, you create a warehouse which manages transactions, right? And you get a SQL endpoint. At the end of the day, it's the same engine. It's the same engine for the SQL endpoint for the lake house. The only difference is that SQL endpoint is kind of read-only. What does that mean? Uh, that the Spark compute engine processes creates a bunch of tables that you know are the delta tables. And that engine is the only engine that can create those delta tables in the lake house. Now, for every one of those lake houses, there's an automatically generated SQL endpoint. And that SQL endpoint is nothing but just purely a read-only warehouse. It's that same warehouse engine, read-only. All that it does, it, it takes those delta tables and makes them queryable using T-SQL. That's all it does. So behind the scenes, just to tell you what is going on behind the scenes, um, as soon as those tables land, we actually take those tables and we create SQL-specific metadata. So SQL catalog is updated and can tell you, if I say select star from table, it can tell, give me the results. I can use T-SQL and get those results. So it's literally a read-only warehouse. And when I say read-only, I just cannot, you know, update into those tables. Why? Because there's only one transaction master and that transaction master was Spark. Now in the warehouse, as a user, I can create my own tables and then I can insert data, create table, Priya, and insert data into table, right? That is the only difference between the two, a read-only and a read-write. SQL endpoint for Lakehouse is read-only and the warehouse is read-write. Now, you did ask about data marts as well. Yeah. Now, data marts will become this mini warehouse gotcha. for the business analysts. Data marts will continue to stay. Data marts will be made generally available. And in Power BI, I, I, at the moment, it's also in public preview, but it'll be made generally available as well. And it becomes this mini data warehouse which is really focused on the business user with a lot of no code and drag drop. You know, what does Christian Wade say? Clickety, clickety, drag it, you So, So does that mean I'll be able to, does that mean the endpoint for data marts will not just be read only? 
Yes, in the future, they will be okay. right okay. as well. Fair enough. Fair enough. You heard yeah. it first. You heard it here. You heard it here. Priya said it here. So that's great because if I think, you know, my skill set, I've been writing T-SQL. I, I think T-SQL is like my second language, right? I've been writing it so, so much of my life. And so if I'm creating a traditional Priya data warehouse, I still can use all that skill and build it. But if someone creates a lake house, I still can write queries and yes. use it to do joins and everything yes. that I want to do directly across. This is amazing. This is amazing. Okay. So I got another question. So from a developer profile. So if I think about, you know, the citizen developer or the data engineer, you know, for who's, and maybe it's obvious, but I want to make sure we get some clarity for the people that's listening, you know, for the data mart, who is the developer profile for the data warehouse? Who is the developer profile? I think you touched on it a little bit, but I just want to make sure we have full clarity in in that, you know. Yeah, absolutely, Patrick. So the data mart, the the profile is the citizen developer or the no-code developer, the citizen enthusiast. It's really somebody that has Maybe some SQL skills, but, you know, it's not not really, you know, what they spend decades on like you with SQL as your second language, right? <laughs> it is, it is, it is, it's a person that's sitting in the business that, uh, you know, really wants to just do quick analytics. It's a lot of uh, no-code capabilities, right? UI, we have data flows as the way to bring data into the data mart, Right. And again, that's all no code capabilities, leveraging the power of Power Query Online, which is the same Power Query Online that's been in Power BI, Excel. Right. It's all just drag drop. I don't need to think about creating joins and creating group buys and, you know, all of that and writing really complex hundred line SQL statements. It's all just automatically generated, you know. I select some tables, some columns, and, you know, and then all the SQL is automatically generated, and that's that's the focus. So it's really focused on that, you know, I might have some skills, but it's really low-code, no-code, and that's the data mart persona. Very typically, these are all, you know, maybe Excel users, you know, uh, users sitting in the business that, you know, don't want, don't have skills of managing a database, right? And... Neither should they have those skills to manage yeah, the database, that's true. right? That's true. Like, yeah. it, it's not the point. They need to be thinking about adding value to the business and creating those insights. Now, the, the data warehouse is made more for the professional. When I talk about it's the it's the data engineer with SQL skills. It's the data warehousing professional. It's the SQL engineer. These the SQL developer. These are all the titles you know that you get out there. But it's the, the persona that loves to write code, whether I am using SQL Server Management Studio or Azure Data Studio, a third-party tool, I'm using SQL projects. I write code and I write really complex lines of code to transform my data to deliver insights and uh, or create insights that is then used further downstream by those citizen developers or, you know, uh, by business analysts. But it's really made for somebody who is really thinking about, you know, encapsulating complex transforms logics that cannot just be done by just a few clicks. You actually have to go think about, you know, writing logic for this and writing code. So it's really made for that professional coder, as we call it. 
Yep. All right. So you answered my next question, which is great. This is perfect. This is perfect. But I have one more question. I have one more question. And I think everybody, I think everybody's going to really like this question. Um, so you own the data warehouse at Microsoft. So first of all, what's your vision for it? You know, and then what, what do we, what can we expect in the next, next few years? It, whatever you can share, we, we'd be excited to hear. Yeah. And, you know, this is really, really exciting because there's so many things happening in the industry when it comes to data warehousing. So some of the big things that are really happening, if you if you look at this, uh, Patrick, is, you know, one, we're seeing this full stack integration that's happening, right? If you go into the fabric data warehouse, it is just so easy to use the data warehousing experience from that ETLing the data into building that Power BI report, all very simple experiences. So simplification of experiences is one. The second thing is also lakehouses and warehouses are all converging together, right? And that is another big thing of, you know, what we see, um, you know, evolving towards in the next, you know, as a vision, as we really want our users, our customers to not worry about these things of management overhead, right? And, um, that, that convergence, you know, it, at the end of the day, it goes back to the point. You want to write SQL, you write SQL. You want to use PySpark or, you know, anything else that's your choice. So that's the, the uh, second thing that that's sort of the convergence, right? I think the third big thing from a data warehousing perspective in the past, and even some of our um, uh, products that are in market today, there's a lot of heavy lifting that needs to happen in order to build, maintain, manage a warehouse. Even the warehouses that are PaaS solutions, right? There's no automatic optimization. There is, uh, you know, we have to have, uh, customers have to have engineers to go sit and tune performance and figure out creating things like materialized views, data distributions. I mean, why, why do people have to care about any of that? So the other thing that will happen more and more of is uh, what I call, you know, literally no knobs performance. This is a self-learning, self-tuning data warehouse. Customers don't have to worry. Data volumes increase or usage increases. Number of users increase. I become more global. You don't have to worry about that. You don't need, don't need to go build an army of highly skilled engineers or those DBA types to go sit and uh, figure out what the performance uh, needs to be, what knobs do I tweak, all of this automated. We've already started building a lot of foundations of that, and that is, you know, actually there in the product today. So, for example, Patrick, you know, think about I as a customer probably have different types of workloads. I might have a BI workload. I might have an ETL workload. And actually, most customers have many different types of ETL workloads, many different types of BI workloads, and probably have data science workloads, ad hoc analysis workloads. And customers call these workloads, right, because they cater to certain groups. And all of this, you know, managing that, creating different workloads, managing that is overhead. It's And um, we, in this version, have autonomous workload management. That means customers don't have to do this. 
We do it behind the scenes. Customers don't have to worry about, hey, is this a BI type workload and I have to do certain things to tweak its performance a certain way? Nope, we just do it out of the box. It's customers worry on, how do I get insights of the data? They don't worry about performance, scale. All of that is auto-optimized and we continuously self-learn and we're continuously implementing algorithms that are going to get richer and richer over time. So that is another big area that I see evolving because we really want users to focus on the business insights and the outcomes. Wow, wow, that's remarkable. That is remarkable. Well, Priya, thank you so much for taking your time to come and hang out with me and answer you know, maybe <laughs> Patrick's interesting questions. Thank you to all the listeners that took the time out to hang out with Priya and I today. And hopefully, you know, we'll chat with you somewhere pretty soon on Interwebs. Thanks. Thank you, Patrick. This has been a lot, a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Insights Tomorrow. Be sure to catch us next time as we continue the journey to uncover the challenges and the possibilities that organizations face every day. You can find more about the show and catch future episodes at insightstomorrow.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.